notice it's Palm Sunday. <laughs> and thank you, Karen and John. All the yeah, yay, yay. And uh, she hates she hates it when we do that. She's just such a servant, but it's hard to resist. Thank you, Karen. Jesus said, "Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy burdened." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the message of Palm, of Palm Sunday. Jesus came humble and lowly in heart to give rest for our souls. Let's pray. And, and I want to pray this morning. I'm, I know that there are there are a number of us here this morning that are just really hurting. I'm physically hurting, really up against it in terms of health. So I just want to take a moment and pray for those who are just really hurting this morning. Particularly, I'm going to come down. Rob, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to come down. And as we pray, I'm going to lay hands on Robert and pray for him, but also pray for many others. So, Lord, I just I thank you so much for your love for us, God. I thank you so much that you came humbly to us, Lord, to be our salvation. And Lord, as Rob is waiting for the results of a biopsy, God, I know that's a hard time for, for him and his wife, Lord, together, Lord. And I pray that this week you would be with them. I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that you give them peace in the midst of this tribulation, this trial. Jesus, you said in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart for I overcome this world. Lord, and you have overcome all of the brokenness of this world, Lord, that we might have life and that we might be resurrected into your kingdom. Lord, I'm also mindful of Lisa, Father, who continues to be in pain and be hurting. God, I think of my brother Eric, who I know is hurting, has been up against it for a long time, Father, with health, Lord, and even my wife Donna, Father, who's struggling. God, I pray that you would encourage each one of them Father, I lift up Guy to you, Father. And, and um, Lord, I pray that you would remove that pain that he has, Lord. God, and there are so many others, Father, that are hurting and, and are recovering and in the process of healing, God. I pray that your healing hand would be on each of these, God, and that you would do a miracle, God, that we could celebrate you and rejoice in you, Father. And yet, God, as, as we all get older, Father, and as we all experience the brevity of this life father our ultimate hope and our ultimate trust is in you jesus father thank you for your love for us in your son's name amen amen well it is palm sunday palm sunday is a great day of celebration i want to uh, real quick before i forget one last little this just in so easter sunday y'all coming to easter sunday awesome it's going to be an awesome service come early there's going to be a little light brunch for easter sunday i encourage you to be a great time of fellowship check that out also good friday evening service will be right here as well uh details are all on the city or maybe on the screen yes good friday seven o'clock right here so it'll be an awesome time of worshiping the lord i just really want to encourage you to come participate in that so this morning we are in matthew 21 First, first part, part of the chapter, Matthew 21. And, you know, we, un- we all understand that Jesus came as a humble servant. 
I mean, how many portraits do you, have you seen of Jesus as the conquering, victorious God who comes to judge versus how many portraits do you see of Jesus as the mild, servant, humble Savior, right? We're, I think we're all familiar with that. And I think that sometimes the, just the radicalness of the way that Jesus enters in to the city of David, the capital city, his city, the way that Jesus the Lord and the King and the Creator of the universe enters into his own city. The way he does that is so radical, and I think that kind of gets lost on us because we're used to understanding Jesus in a humble way. So the way I wanted to start this morning is I'm going to read from a text that is really about, it's focused on Jesus' second coming, the coming that is yet to happen. And at at Jesus' second coming, he comes in a very different way than he came the first time. And I just want to read that to you briefly. It's in Revelations 19, starting in verse 11. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. So I'm going to really be up today. I'm going to be yelling a lot. So if I, are, am I loud? No? You okay? Okay. I'm just doing a little sound check here. Good job, sound guys. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Y'all encouraged? Nice chipper verse for Palm Sunday morning. But that is Jesus in his legitimate role. Does Jesus not have the right to return to come to this earth as the conquering king to judge all those who have sinned against him? Is that not Jesus' right as as a holy God? Absolutely. Absolutely that. Jesus is a righteous God. He's the creator of the cosmos. He is one day going to come back to judge the world and to destroy all those who war against him. And he destroys them with the word of his mouth. He pictures it as a sword coming out of his mouth. That that represents Jesus just destroying all of his enemies with a word. He spoke creation into existence with a word, 
and he destroys all the enemies with a word. That's who Jesus is. He is the conquering king. And he has every right to come into his capital city, Jerusalem, as the conquering king on a war horse with a sword and with king of kings written on his thigh, tattooed on on his thigh. Right? He has every right to do that. But praise be to God, that's not the message for this morning. Praise be to God that because he loved us, he has chosen to come, us, come to us in a humble way. Amen? And that's what we're celebrating this morning. That's what we can rejoice in this morning. So let's read about it. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Notice them, a donkey and her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord, capital L, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a beast of burden. Not only does Jesus come into Jerusalem on a donkey, a beast of burden, but he comes on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Notice Jesus says, go and get, you'll see a donkey and her colt. Bring them both. He tells them to bring them both. And then, he, and then the prophecy says that he rides on the colt, on the foal of a donkey. Right? And so why bring them both, by the way? Why, why would he have them both if he's going to ride on the colt? Because the colt is this young donkey, never been ri- ridden before, and he's about to walk into one of the biggest parades recorded in history. So to have his mom with him, will help keep him calm and help him to be able to make this march into the city of Jerusalem, right? So I say that only to say Jesus isn't coming on a big war horse. He's coming on the colt of a donkey, which means if someone, if, if a conquering king, and by the way, there's been no king either before this or after this and throughout history even to today that has done a parade in, in this kind of hum, humble way. Am I right? I mean, if a president is going to be in a parade, is he going to be riding in a Toyota Tercel? By the way, if you have a Toyota Tercel, don't feel bad. Corolla. When Don and I first got married, I, I drove this old Ricky Racky beat-up Corolla for a long time. It leaked every time it rained. So I'm with you. <laughs> but this is just like... This is just mind-blowing that a king, a rightful king, would come into his capital city in this way. And Jesus is doing this very specifically to fulfill Scripture. And why has God purposed this? God has purposed this to say to us, to those in Jerusalem and to us, look, I'm coming to you from a place of love, from a place of wanting to win your salvation. I'm coming to you as your Savior, not as your judge. And I am your judge, and I will judge but I am coming to you as your Savior. I'm coming to you to bring salvation to your life. This uh, prophecy that uh, Matthew quotes here comes primarily comes from Zechariah 9.9. I want to read that briefly. And um, 
I just give you a little bit of context about Zach, Zachariah and what's going on as he's writing this verse and what's going on with the children of Israel. This is post-exile. So this is the Israel has returned from exile in Babylon. They're returning back to their homeland. They're returning back to Jerusalem. They've begun, they have begun to rebuild the temple. They've laid the foundation. They're starting to build, rebuild the city of Jerusalem. They're build, beginning to build the walls. But they're still under a lot of oppression. They're paying heavy, heavy taxes. The building is going very, really slowly. And people are really beginning to lose heart. And the, that initial like joy of, hey, God is restoring us back to our land and we're rebuilding the temple has begun to be replaced by, you know, this is not going well. It's not moving very along very well. They've laid the foundation, but it's nowhere near the size and the magnitude and the majesty that was Solomon's temple that, the, that was destroyed. And so now they're building a new one, but it seems smaller. And the, and the people who remember that are, are grieved by that. In fact, quote, unquote, at one point in this book, um, you read the line that says, it, these days were the days of small things, that, that everything just seems small and and not potent, and not strong, and not powerful. And so that's the context that Zachariah is writing into. And I want to say to us this morning, if you're in that place, if you're feeling small, if you're feeling like your life has be- seems to have kind of stalled, if you feel like your walk with the Lord is just not what you want it to be, and you feel like you're missing power, and it just doesn't have the strength that you desire, listen to these words. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. That's critical. He's coming to us righteous. He is the righteous king, but he comes having salvation. He is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. So our king this morning comes to us, number one, as a king. He is a king. He's the creator of the universe, the creator of the cosmos. He has every right to, in a word, just end us like that. Just, boom, snuff us out like that. He has every right to do that. But he also comes to us as a humble king, as a king who desires to extend to us his salvation. In fact, he is salvation. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull my hearing aid out. I'm going to hook this over my ear. Maybe it'll stay there. All right. Um... So that's who Jesus is. That's how he's showing up at this time on Palm Sunday as a king, as a humble king, as a servant king. And he comes to each one of us this morning. He comes to you humbly. And let's not miss that. Let's not take that for granted because he could just as easily, if he didn't love you, he could just as easily come to you in judgment and in wrath. Amen? Let's continue on in uh, Matthew chapter 21. Picking up in verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Trees? Everybody got their branch? Wave it around. Shake it around. How's that song go? Shake it around. Wave it around. Just don't care. I don't know. (laughs) I'm terrible. Sorry. 
most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So this is a way of expressing honor to a king. And of course, this is the king. The, the uh, palm branch, by the way, in Israel, palm branch is a very nationalistic icon. It's, it's a symbol of national pride to the Hebrews and it's also a symbol of their victory, of their national victory over their enemies. It would be equivalent to us when we go to a 4th of July parade. What do we wave around at 4th of July parade? Our flag, U.S. flag, right? So this is the equivalent of for a Hebrew. And they don't just wave them. They lay them down in front of Jesus and put these palm branches in front of Jesus as a way to honor the Lord. Donna, my wife, she, she or the other, was it yesterday? She said, so... They're rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. I said, exactly, that's exactly it. They're rolling out the red carpet for Jesus with these palm branches. Notice also they're laying down their own cloaks. And I was thinking about this. Remember when Jesus was crucified and they'd strip him, and what do the soldiers do with his cloak? Remember his cloak was this single woven garment, and instead of ripping it in pieces, it was really valuable cloak. So instead they gambled for it. And think about in that ancient world, cloak is, a, is an expensive, that's an expensive item, right? Your cloak is your cloak. You don't have a closet full of cloaks. It's, that's your cloak. And it took a lot of man hours or, or lady hours to make that cloak. So that's a very valuable thing. And these people are laying their cloaks down in the mud so that Jesus could have this amazing processional and have his little colt walk right over the top of their cloak. And it, just a little, little aside, it's is, um, not an aside, it's really a key point, and that is, are, are, you, are we willing to lay our lives before the Lord? Just as they were spreading their cloaks out before the Lord, are we willing to lay our lives down before Him, given that A, He is this righteous, glorious King, and B, He loves us enough to come to us humbly as the suffering serv- servant, even the point of going to the cross for our sins and ransoming us from our sins. So what are we willing to lay down before our Lord? Is it not our entire lives? Continue on in verse 9. The verse says, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of... I need Mike up here for this part. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. What does that word Hosanna mean? That word, literally, it means save. It means save us, Lord. And initially, in its earlier usage, it meant, you know, Lord, save me. You know, we've all had those prayers, right? We have have some crisis or we're in the middle of an accident and you feel like you're doing this dance with a bunch of other cars and you're going, God, save me, right? Which It's a request. Lord, please save us. And that's, that's how it's used in a psalm that we're going to read in a little bit. It's like, Lord, save us. But then the, the reprise often was, Lord, save us. The Lord does save us. The Lord has saved us. He will save us. He's continuing to save us. So it became the saying of, and an expression in the sense of, Hallelujah, Lord, you have saved us. You are saving us. Hosanna to the Son of David. There's so, there's so many layers of meaning here. Jesus, you are the son of David. What does that mean? He is the heir to the throne. When, when David was sitting on his throne, when David was king of the throne, God made a covenant with David. 
And at the heart of that covenant is the promise. Covenant is a promise. It's a contract. And the contract is, you know what, David? Because of your faithfulness, because, because you are a man who's followed after me, I am going to give you a descendant. And that descendant will reign on your throne forever, for eternity. There will never be an end to his reign. He will reign forever. So they're saying, salvation to the son of David. Jesus is our salvation, the rightful king, the son of David, the heir to the throne, who will reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah and amen. He has come for our salvation. That make sense? Amen. Hosanna. Blessed he is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's also a quote from, we'll see that again in Psalm 118, which we're just about to read. We'll get there in one moment. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Was Jesus a prophet? Absolutely he was a prophet. He was also the son of God. He was also king. He was also our high priest. He's, he's, you know, in the Old Testament, there were three key offices. There was the king, there was the prophet, and there was the priest, right? Jesus is all three of them in one person. He is our priest. He is our king. He's our prophet. He's our salvation. So, what we're going to do this morning is, and we very, rare, very, very rarely do this, but maybe my roots come, come out every once in a while, but we're going to do a, a congregational reading and response. And the way this is going to work, we're going to read Psalm 118, and you'll see it on, up on the board. You see it there? Notice the lettering that's highlighted or that's in bold. That's your part, Okay. So we're all going to read the psalm together. Keep in mind, this is a hymn. In fact, according to the ESV, uh, this is the last hymn that Jesus sang with his disciples before he was betrayed and went to the cross and died on the cross. So, so think about this as a song. This is a worship song. So as we read through this, we are worshiping God. We're celebrating his return to his capital city, Jerusalem. We're celebrate him coming uh, in, in for our salvation. He is our salvation. So I want to read through this. And there might be some slides where you don't notice that they're bolded. That's just because it's, it's, I haven't got to the bold part yet. Um, and why don't we, why don't you grab your palm branch and stand and we'll read this together and, tr- and make this a time of worship for you. And think about the fact that Jesus because he loves you, came, has come to you as a humble king. He's come to you as your salvation, right? What we deserve is the righteous, conquering king who comes to judge. That's what we deserve. But he chose out of his love for us to come as a humble king to save us. And I want to offer this to either sometime during the time that we're reading this in worship or even as we move into worship at, at the end of this, we're going to go right into worship. I want you to just, if, if you have something you want to lay before the Lord, that there's been something there with your life that you just want to lay down before the Lord, whatever that means to you, whatever's going on with you, and you want to just lay it before the Lord tr- and express your trust in him, I want to encourage you to just lay your palm branch in this middle aisle 
And if you can't get there, then just hand it to your neighbors and they can pass it down, whatever works. I don't care. But the main point is be in a place of, of prayer and worship and think about, you know, Jesus loves you. And he came to you on a cult. Think about this. If you're at a parade and you see guys, a dude mounted up on a war horse, what are you going to see? You're going to see his thigh, king of kings, and the tip of his sword. That's what you're going to see. But if Jesus came coming down this aisle this morning on the full of a colt, what would you see? You would see his face. He'd be at eye level with you. It's funny, you look at a video uh, that's an authentic video of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and you can barely see him because he's barely, not even slightly above the heads of all those people around him. It looks like he's walking because he's on a little colt. That's how Jesus comes to you. He comes to you face to face. He's come down to our level to meet us where you are right now as your Savior, as your King, as, as the one who loves you deeply. So let's read this. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, and let the house of Aaron say, let those who fear the Lord say, out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look and triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surround me. They surround me, surrounded me on every side. They surround me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord exalts. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray. Give us success. I want to say real quick, save us. The word there is Hosanna. Hosanna us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. We bless you for the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar.